Welcome to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of the show is intended for an adult audience, 18 years and older. I'm Gillian from the United Kingdom, and it's my pleasure to introduce my adorable ex, your host, Jao San, in Las Vegas. Hi, everyone. Johnson with you here. Romantic Truth, Las Vegas, baby. Keeping it real. That's right. Um, folks, we're going to talk about some of the things, some of the characteristics and some of the best practices on somewhat of a checklist in order to make it a better selection process for you when it comes down to a partner. In the background, you're here a dog by the name of Sir Bentley Somerville Jordan doing a solo because he's lonely looking for his love of his life. That's one of the Rat Terriers, part of the security team, as I told you before. All right, folks. Um, now, one of the cornerstones, of course, is communication. You have heard that till you're blue in your face by all of these dating coaches, life coaches, gurus, and everyone else. Yes, communication's very important, but it's not important unless you have another component, consideration. We're gonna go through this and then we'll go forward. You can be a very effective communicator. Like for instance, unidirectional communication is what I'm doing now. If we were in a room and I was speaking from podium, it would be omnidirectional. Now, here's the thing. When you do a press conference, that person's giving you information and they don't want to take any questions. Why is that? That's because that's an informational press conference. I will tell you what you need to know, but don't ask me any other questions because I haven't investigated it far enough yet in order to field questions. A lot of times you will see this happen. Now, the mayor, the former mayor of Baltimore got tripped up on this one time when they had an incident down in Baltimore with the young man that I believe got beaten up or hit by his mom or something of that sort. You cannot go off script if you are doing this when it comes down to you're just giving information out. When you start answering questions, when you're not prepared to answer questions, you're gonna always get tripped up like she did. And once they trip you up, then they're like doing the pile line. The rest of the journalists will start asking other questions and now they got you opened up and they're ready to go for the knockout punch to ask you a question that you definitely can't answer and it's going to make you look stupid. So, this is why a lot of people in government will give you only the specifics of what they know, not field any questions, and then leave. Now, in relationships, there are some people that are like that. They're unidirectional or omnidirectional people. Oh, they will lecture to you all day long, but not listen to you one time. Not take any questions, not take any feedback, not take any considerations from you. This is why I say, you need someone that can communicate effectively. One requirement you should have before you start a relationship is complete 
bi-directional communication. That means where you guys can talk both ways. And you want to avoid talking over each other. This is one of the reasons why you don't see me with a lot of guests. And then when I do do my interviews, what I do is I will send them the questions in advance, have them record their answer, and then I'll loop my questions onto it and then we'll fuse them together. The reason why I do this is so that two people are not talking at the same time and you can clearly hear a person's response. You can hear the question, you can hear the response, and you don't hear the crosstalk. How many podcasts have you listened to where that was the problem? You get a panel of 15 people and everybody's talking, you can't understand anything. You have to go and fish out who you want to listen to. Then you got people that are out there for their egos and that kind of thing. Now, I think he wants to sing the Marvin Gaye song. But he's trying. He's okay, fellas. He's not in any kind of distress or anything like that. He had a full stomach. He had a walk today. And now he's singing for his woman. I think he's in love with the poodle next door. But here's the thing. When it comes down to communications in general, a requirement should be that that person has active listening skills. You have to. You have to have the same. Now, I'm not talking about the uh-huh, mm-hmm, uh-huh, where they're just uh-huh and mm-hmm, you're shaking their head so that they can tell you basically what they're telling you is, shut the fuck up so I can talk again. You don't want to be in a relationship with that person. They hear you, they're not listening to you. Because they'll use selective hearing. Certain keywords they'll key on, and that's it, and miss the whole thing that you're conveying to them. Now, the other thing you have to remember with effective bi-directional communication is that you want to give them time to respond. So you ask them a question, so what could I do to make this relationship better? Pause. Listen to them. Don't continue it. Don't abut it like, what can I do to make, make this relationship better? I've tried doing this. I've tried doing that. You have muted that person's response. So give them a time to respond to you. The other thing, take your emotions out of the argument. He can't take his emotions out because he's wanting that damn poodle over there. I know he does. But here's the thing. You have to take your emotions out of it. Because if you don't, you're going to say something that you'll regret. Something that comes out wrong, something that you didn't mean to say, you can dress it up any way you like. Words hurt. Now, the other thing, I know they used to have old saying, words hurt, people kill. Here's another thing I will always tell you when it comes down to communications. While you're speaking to the person, watch your tone. The environment in which you're speaking to men. So if you're 
going to have a conversation about a dispute that you have, uh, you might not want to do it in front of the family so that you'll have this chorus of people on your side and this person feeling isolated as if they're by themselves. The only time I tell you you need an audience, it's under one condition. That you're going to a therapist. Because, see, your family's going to be biased. And they're going to have feelings. You got to use the logic, both of you, in order to solve the problem. The problem is a logical problem, not an emotional one. Your emotions will constantly keep you on a treadmill of desire. Now, the other thing about communications, we're still talking about bi-directional communication. How you say something. I wish you would have told me that earlier. As opposed to, damn honey, I wish you would have told me that earlier. Or, ask it as a question. Why didn't you tell me this earlier? Now see how the question sounds more inviting? It gives the person a chance to open up. Your inflections, your tonation, the environment in which you're speaking, all these things impact what you're conveying to that person. Fellas, if you want to be romantic with your lady, don't take her to Taco Bell and get down on one knee and propose to her, please. Don't do that. I know you guys might like Taco Bell or whatever. Don't do it. And folks, by the way, Vegas is the only city that I can think of where you can actually get married in a Taco Bell. No joke, no cap. You get married at the Taco Bell down on the strip. Boy, you're going to be some enchilada eating. <laughs> but it's a good deal. But what I'm saying in general, if you're going to propose to your woman, take her. And here's the thing I would always tell you. Women love to reminisce about good things that have happened in the past. Take her to the place where you met. Hey, one friend of mine, what he did was kind of unique. He took her parents and his parents out to dinner with her. And he had already talked to all four parents about what he was going to do. Got the permission from the father and the mother. And during dinner, he got down on one knee, asked her to marry him. And she was all flustered because she was embarrassed because she was in front of her parents. And the parents said, what are you waiting for? We've already said yes. And she was ready. But she was afraid that they were probably going to impact the whole thing. And they wound up getting married. And they're married to this day and they're doing mighty fine. I think they have like eight kids now between them. It works. 
another thing. When it comes down to disagreements and disputes, I told you this till I'm blue in the face. Instead of sitting there arguing with each other, just say, okay, let's do this. We're both upset. Why don't we say tomorrow at 5 p.m. we're going to sit down with two sheets of paper, two pens, and we're going to write out what the problem is. Our dispute. You write what it is on your side, I write what it is on my side, then we exchange papers to see if we are upset about the same thing. You'll be surprised how many couples are not upset about the same thing. And then you put them in categories. Okay, we'll prioritize yours first, and then we'll address mine second. And then as you're going through this, you're going to put down your first resolution to that problem. Then you go swap papers. Usually that resolution is going to be ridiculous. It's going to be a non-starter for both of you in most cases. And then you'll put down your first compromise. Then you swap. And then you put down your second compromise. Then you swap. And then you put down your third and final offer. Then you swap. And then on that third and final offer, let's say you guys agree. Because what you're trying to do, and the goal should be, you guys are a mile apart and you're trying to get two feet from each other. Think of it like an inverted pyramid. The base of that pyramid is wide, right? And you got it tipped upside down, and guess what you're trying to do? Get to the point. And this is the same thing you're doing here. So you get down to this point where you guys can now coexist, and you both have agreed to do these things, sign off of it, date it on both papers, get a refrigerator magnet, put it there on the fridge, and hold each other to it. Now here's the cool thing about it, as I told you before. Take for instance, you've resolved this thing. You guys have now moved on. Get your manila folder, staple those two pieces of paper together, put them in that folder, and guess what? If your children later on have a family issue, this is what me and your daddy did. This is what me and your mom did in order to resolve our issue. They have a template, they have an idea. True enough, the circumstances may not be the same way, but they could look at how the problem was broken down and resolved. Provided you have a rational person that's willing to do that on the other end of the table. You may and you may not. I can't believe it. I'm sitting here with a dog in heat <laughs> because he saw that damn poodle and I know good and well. Down, boy, down. You'll be off duty in a few minutes. Talking about he want a staycation on the strip. Anyway, what we're also dealing with here is the fact that sometimes we get into arguments and we're raising our voices. 
and we're trying to hurt the other person verbally by saying things and bringing things up from the past to throw in that partner's face in order to make them feel our pain. And you have to understand one thing about that. You're going to throw something that you can never take back. And you got to ask yourself, was the gratification of hurting that person that badly worth it? Somebody you're supposed to love, somebody you're supposed to be with, someone you're supposed to be in a relationship with. And you're treating them like someone on the street. You sound like him. What I'm saying to you folks is this. At some point, you got to reel it in. And you got to set boundaries for yourself about things not to introduce into the relationship when it comes down to you guys are arguing. After you've resolved issues, don't unpack them and bring them back into a new argument. It gets you nowhere. If you guys can't handle it, go to counseling. Find you a good licensed family counselor. Someone who has degrees. Someone who's gone to school for this. Someone who has a clinical practice. Stay away from the religious types and all the rest of those. You don't need anybody with any kind of color of judgment or bias. You need someone that's totally unbiased, someone that's not going to try to use a book in order to qualify everything. You want someone that can actually make an assessment based on your naked behavior as human beings. The other thing, after you guys have resolved the issue, don't bring it up again. Don't even make a joke about it. It's done. Don't go to bed angry with each other. If you guys haven't resolved and you're still pissed off at each other, maybe you guys should not be in the same bedroom together. Oh, and by the way, let me clarify something. Those of you drama queens out there that think that it's cool to just start a bullshit argument, and then after you've done that, the makeup sex is going to make everything all right, be careful with that. You may think you know your partner. Fellas, the same thing with you. You may think you know your partner. Oh, they won't do that. They, you never know. What you got to remember with people, if they're violent, they usually escalate. You don't want to go there. Whether you're a man or a woman, you don't want to go there. Keep it civil. Hell, if you wanted to fight, why are you in a relationship? Hell, there are plenty of people out there you could fight. You could go and join the damn uh, MF, M, MMA or whatever the fuck it is and go and fight somebody in that ring. There are plenty of people out there want to beat your ass just for nothing. Now, we're going to talk about some of the other characteristics in the next segment. moment when your lawyer's last job was at a fast food restaurant. Sorry for being late, sir. I'm so sorry. Traffic was hectic. Hey. Like, 
You gotta get you another appointment. I gotta make another appointment. You gotta make a damn another appointment. Sir, at, at this is the, the day, only no, day no, that no, I got at, open. At the end of the day, my time is great. I understand that, and I apologize. You, I apologize. I even called for your secretary. She didn't answer the phone. You might be right. You might be right. She she do that. She be on that damn phone. Anyway. Well, well I, maybe, day, you, maybe you should get a new secretary. You know, it's not none of my business, what you got going on, and how you run your business, but... I'm just saying, maybe you need to get another secretary. Don't tell me I run my business. Let's just get this over with. Anyway, you the one talking about the divorce, right? Yes, that's calling, correct. You've been calling, calling. You don't miss on how many damn appointments. I've been busy. If you want to get this divorce or not. Oh, trust me, I want to get it. We you both want to get, get it. it. We both want to get it. What's his name? Leroy. Damn Leroy. What's your Leroy, what's his last name? Miller. Leroy, damn Miller. All right, Leroy. All right, I, I, I got it. I don't know how I get the information in the system. He's already right. in the system? Yeah, he's, um, I guess the chick he's been dealing with, she already had been called up. Anyway, he wanted me to do Excuse the Excuse me? Yeah, he wanted to file before you did. So he already been yeah, up he here. he been up here, but I told him, you know, hold up, you feel me? Ooh, just dirty. Dirty yeah, so, people, anyway, dirty. I'm going to represent you. I don't like representing dudes in a damn way. I'm going to be honest with you. That's why I ain't take Okay. So, um... Tell me, like, 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 why, why y'all getting divorced? Like, is it the reason he cheated? I'm pretty sure he cheated. No, no cheating that I know of. No cheating. I mean, we just wasn't seeing eye to eye anymore. I mean, we wasn't in love with each other. He cheated. We we gonna put. We just wasn't happy. Yeah, sir, you cannot. He did not cheat. It don't matter. I'm the I'm the lawyer. All that we do is lie. That's illegal. That's illegal. It's okay. That's how we get paid. We get paid to lie. So what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna put in here. He cheated. We get alimony from. We get alimony from him. So I don't want an alimony. We get it. Okay. I take it. Okay. So you said he cheated. He Whatever. Cheated. Okay. He, we're going to say he cheated. He was abusive. We're going to put that in there. Sir, he we not. Gonna, listen, listen. I'm trying, to get, I'm trying to get you right. I don't got no police reports coming to my house by no abuse. I got somebody that can do that. I got somebody that can type that up. That's a scam. I know somebody that work at the police, that, police department. We can get that. That's a scam, sir. He and cheated. He was abusive. Um... Then y'all got kids go. We got three. Child support. Three. Child support. We getting all that. Sir, he gave the kids. It's, I don't have to take child support on you. The judge ain't gonna know that. You get what I'm saying? Sir, but that be lying. It's, I didn't come look, here to lie. Like, I understand that, but in the, the day you come here to get money. You know, you a cricket. You come here to get money. You was very cricket. You was a cricket attorney. What all you did for him? You cook. You cook for him, right? I cooked. I cleaned cook. up. Washed the clothes. Took care of his kids. Stayed at home. Did all this. Stayed, I mean, I did everything a wife should do. Uh, so you need. You deserve all this. You would not enjoy this damn life, and now you finna enjoy your all this money that we finna get from him. Okay, so I need to ask you something. I want to go back. We said something about a lady. What would you say about the lady, sir? I can't get that type of information now. But you I'm just been missing. You. you brought it up. I'm representing you. Do you want to get this money or not? Is is that simple? Okay. He cheated. We get alimony. Okay, he cheated. He was abusive. Abusive. He put his hand on you all times of the night when he can have. We're going to say that. We're going to say that. He don't do drugs, not, sir. No, we just ain't gonna know. We're going to say that. Alimony, abusive. And high. Child support. He didn't take care of the kid. We're going to put that on there. How many calls y'all had? Three. Three calls? We give you two. I'm going to let him keep one. He don't need He don't need it. But whenever one. Sir, I don't want that old school car he's. I don't want that old school car he's. You got to look, look out for your lawyer. Then he need that one car. That little, that little, that little lady he with, or whoever he with, let him share that car. So he, so who he with? You tell me something new, cause he told me he wasn't with nobody. Y'all stay in how many houses? Just one house. Just one house, and we you do got a, we got a boat too. We you do got a boat. You get the house. They get him the boat. Why you he get the house? You, you get in the house. Okay. You get in the house, and he get in the damn boat. Who get boat. a dog? How many dogs y'all have? Three. Three dogs. You like dogs? 
I love my dogs. But see, all... he gonna try to take them because he's gonna no, say that he, he dog. No, he ain't. You getting all three of them damn dogs. Okay. You getting all three of them damn dogs. Okay. What he all want. Right. Okay. Okay. You getting all three of them all damn right. dogs. Okay. What about you his know, tie shop he got? He got a tie shop? Yep. He making money out there in a tie shop? Yeah, with a Mexican. He make a lot of money. Mexican working out there. Yep. You can have for that. The tie shop? You can have for that tie shop. You get half of that. You get half of that. But I told him we was gonna do the divorce on good terms, sir. It's like, gonna be good terms. It ain't got nothing to do with this. Ain't got nothing to do with you. You got everything doing me and give me some money. You feel me? I don't do nothing free. I mean, how much do you charge now? You know, I ain't, don't worry about how much I charge. I'm gonna get it out there. Out there, the settlement is is over. They won't put all this in, but I can make sure I'm good too when you get good. You feel me? Okay. So like I said, we getting that alimony from. Okay. So on drugs. On abusive, abusive, abusive. Make sure we say that. Okay. Then take care of the kids. Then take care of the kids. You get both the car, leave him with one. Both the car, leave him with he one. He getting out. You getting the house. He getting the damn boat. Okay, I'm getting the house. He getting the boat, and you I'm getting half of the time. Okay, I like that. If anything else, if anything else you want to add, let me know. Call, let me know. Well, I got one more thing I need to add. His mama got a beauty shop, right? Mm -hmm. But it's her beauty shop, but it's in his name. Do you think that I can take the beauty shop from her? She get her black ass out. She get her black so ass. So you mean tell me I'm getting the shot too? Damn beauty shop. You tell her fat black ass to get out. Okay. And you forget right. that. Okay. All right. So okay. You, you can let him know that enough. I will. I will. When you call talk to him again, so don't worry about it. I definitely will. Tell your fat ass mama to start packing up. Okay. Because my lawyer said I'm getting all this. Sir, she not fat. She's skinny. Like and follow the real Jack Gang on TikTok. You know, one of our biggest fears in our modern day is to be perceived as irrelevant, obsolete, non-trending. We want our voices to be heard. We want to be recognized, acknowledged. We want to be someone that is respected, that has some sort of uh, clout, some sort of um, essential need. Now, we work hard at this. We do all these things in life. And it's mainly for a personal victory. And that personal, personal victory can consist of a person trying to remain relevant with others well you see how we have to do it you go out you acquire these assets in order to be appealing to someone um you establish a lifestyle you do all this stuff for them to find you more appealing truth of the matter is without those things you're irrelevant you know it's funny um when I went back and got my master's, my MBA in international business, one thing I realized was that companies that would normally not even consider me, some of the companies I had applied for in the past that looked at me as being irrelevant, also looked at me as being relevant with that credential. Now. People are the same way. There's no difference. 
as long as you're relevant to their cause, there's a place for you. And some of you are starting to realize that when you run out of a level of relevancy with people, you may not have a purpose for them. And unfortunately, sometimes we think that we don't have a purpose in life because we're so focused on trying to please and appease others and not look at ourselves. One thing that I want you to understand, thing I was taught about client services years ago, who's the first client that you have to please? Some of you would think the person that calls in or the person that you're servicing. Some of you would think your manager. Yes, your manager is a client, but you're the first client because you establish the level of acceptability. You establish the standards. You do all of these prior to exposing yourselves to others. And sometimes your standards may not meet the criteria of other people. You think you did a great job. They think you did a horrible job. Same thing happens in life with us. We may think we've done something wonderful. Other people may say it's the worst thing ever. And I can tell you on this podcast, there's a lot of people that have written into the show, told me I should do this, I should do that. And these are the very people that won't lift a damn finger to do anything for themselves, but they can tell other people what to do. Everything that I share with you, I put into practice for myself because it wouldn't make any sense for me to just go and pontificate when I'm not participating. This is the reason why I can give you examples of my behavior in the past as far as a level of relevance. One thing you will learn in life, if you haven't already, for some of you younger people, is that as you go through this experience of life, we're going to be faced with different challenges, different things that we have to make decisions on. Things that we may not like making decisions on, but we have to. And we can procrastinate as long as we want to with this. It doesn't necessarily make it better. It makes it more comfortable for us. Gaslighting yourself is just like having money. Problems still exist, but you're comfortable dealing with the problems. You don't have to worry about your electric bill, your gas bill, your mortgage. But if you have a chronic disease, or if you have some other sort of impasse, something that money can't fix, you're in that same position. When you gaslight yourself, everything's irrelevant because you've put yourself in a mindset of things not really concerning you, even though they will concern you in the future. We're conditioned to think short term. 
You know, you hear people talk about the 2016 election. Oh, that's so long ago. No, it's not. Because if you think about where you were in that mindset during that time, it's not irrelevant. You see, what makes it irrelevant is the way we're marketed to. Think about it. Some of you go into the hole every year trying to get the new fashions. Something that you're going to have for maybe one year at best, and then you're going to throw it away. My ex-girlfriend was a great example of that. She gave away more clothes to charity than she actually wore. Most of the clothing she only wore one time. There was something she never wore at all. And what that means is that we want to be in the thick of things. We don't want to be left out in the cold. We don't want to be last year's news. And what people start to realize as they get older, as they get sicker, they become less relevant. You know, one of the hardest things for people to do is to retire. Oh, you know, at first they talk about they can't wait to retire until they actually do. And then many of them feel as though they're displaced. It's like being divorced. They don't know where to start. They don't know how relevant they are or how irrelevant they are. And therefore, they feel as though they have to do something in order to still be appreciated, still be desired, still remain relevant. Same thing happens when a person gets a divorce, breaks up in a relationship. There's a level of devaluation that occurs. You start losing friends. And as I told you before, when you're active in society, yeah, you're going to have a lot more friends, co-workers, so forth. When you become a non-factor, or like this in the hood, a non-motherfucking factor, you get to a point where there's no use for you by those people. So therefore, you become irrelevant. And they don't need to contact you for anything. Now, we do this to other people as well. There are some people that you know that you haven't talked to in ages. One thing that I try to make it a point to do, and I even put it on my calendar. Those people that mean something to me, I will contact them as long as reciprocal. If it's a situation where, oh, I only have to call them, they never call me, fuck them. They're off the list. Because here's the thing. You're thinking that they're relative to you. But they may not feel as though you are to them. Why would you want to get involved with something like that? Why would you want to maintain those friendships? And you have the old excuse about, oh, I was busy. Sure you were. 
but you're never busy enough when you have an emergency that you need taken care of. You're never too busy to not call, are you? Some of you have gotten to the point that you only communicate with people on Facebook and on social media. And usually goes to the people that you've been kind of waiting to get rid of in your life anyway. You didn't want to interact with them, so social media is a good distance for you. Family members, friends, people do it all the time. But the one thing to keep in mind, no matter how underappreciated you are in life, no matter how appreciated you are, you're going to have to remember a few things. One, many of the people that are so sad to see you die, so sad to hear that you're sick, sometimes they get a thrill out of uh, letting other people know the information about you. Let me give you an example. A friend of mine, she's been a close friend, dear friend for years. And we had this mutual friend. Now this endeared friend of mine, I've kept in contact with her for years. We've kept in contact with each other. And I noticed that she started calling me a little bit more infrequently. Used to be where we talk about maybe once every month or so. And then it dropped down to once every four months. Well, there was something, of course, going on. And I just called her one time just to check and see what was going on with her. Daughter answered the phone and said, well, mom is indisposed right now. Okay, indisposed has various meanings. Meaning that she could be naked. Meaning that she could be on the toilet in the bathroom. But what it actually meant was that she was in the hospital. Once her daughter told her that I called, she called me. And she said, you know, I'm filtering out those people that really were relevant in my life. She said, but you've been a person that we always talk to each other about anything. I said, yeah. She said, well, I'm dealing with a health problem. She said, I don't want to go into detail, but... I'll be okay. I said, well, is there anything I can do? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm taking care of everything. It's fine. I said, well, you know, we haven't seen each other in a while. She said, oh, well, I'm not really in, in a position for a visit, but I really appreciate you extending that courtesy. I said, that's no problem. I said, after all, I'm your friend. She says, oh, I know. And she says, I'm yours too. She said, if I was in a better situation, I wouldn't mind seeing you. Now, that was the end of that conversation. A mutual friend of ours contacted me out of the clear blue. I haven't spoken to this person in damn near a year. 
Hey, how you doing? Did you know this person is in the hospital? Did you know this person had this condition? Did you know, did you know, did you know, did you know? It seems like they got more of a rise of telling me all these things like they're the town crier. And I asked this individual, how's she doing? Okay, I guess her daughter's taking care of her. I said, okay, okay, now that you made that splash about spreading the news about this person's condition, I've spoken to them already. Oh, you did? <coughs> well, what's really going on with her? It's not my place to tell you. If you were relevant enough, she would have told you. By the way, how did you find out? Oh, well, you know, we, we, we just assessed, and that's the only thing it could be is what, what I told you. This is the way people function, folks. A lot of people throw their hands up, say, oh man, you know, yeah, 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 you can just go past that shit. Hmm. We say that until we have to deal with it, don't we? Everything's irrelevant until you have to contend with it. And this is the thing that people don't like. Because see, we've been conditioned to always think that everything's going to have a happy ending, everything's going to be wonderful. You know, when you spend all that money for a funeral, and they tell you that, you know, they're going to give you the seal casket and all that stuff for your loved one, why do you think they won't let you be around when they exhume the body or when they take the casket out? So if you're relocating from California to Texas, for instance, and you want to take the remnants of your family member with you. Why do you think they don't let you get the gravesite? It's because when they pull that casket up, it's going to be waterlogged. There's going to be water all in it. And your loved one's corpse is floating around inside. All that extra money you paid off of your emotions when you put that person in the ground, they don't want you to see that. <laughs> That's the way it goes, folks. You see, one thing, the best way I could put it is, we're exploited in many aspects of our lives. And sometimes we volunteer to be exploited. We don't like. A lot of you don't even like what I'm talking about now because it brings back some bad memories. It makes you think about shit. But life is a bittersweet experience. You're gonna have good times, you're gonna have bad times, you're gonna have times where things are kind of leveled out. And one of the worst things in the world is to feel as though everything you've done in life has been for naught. We'll talk more in a moment.
Let's talk about inadequacy for a moment. It's a big fear that we have as human beings. We concern ourselves when it comes down to being perceived as inadequate in almost everything we do. We start out with this fear as children, trying to please our parents because we want to be adequate when it comes down to dealing with them. We want to make sure that we make them proud. Now, nothing's wrong with that because what we're learning in that process is how to meet expectations and how other people set them. Now, the one thing to keep in mind with expectations, it does you a disservice if the only thing you're taught is to meet expectations, but not to establish them. Because when you don't establish expectations for yourself, you wind up being led by other people that may expect more of you than you could expect of yourself. And it leaves you susceptible to being gaslighted. You know, some of you folks that have written into the show about how you can't do anything right with your spouse or your partner. You might want to look back and see if that was ever covered in your developmental years when it came down to you meeting expectations. Did you always have to be in a position where you were trying to meet them, but you never had the assistance of a parent, teacher, or anyone else that helped you establish them for yourself? Growing up, I was very fortunate. I had two teachers that emphasized that with me at an early age. Evelyn Plump, rest her soul, and Mrs. Camp. One day I was in class. I was like in the second or third grade. I'll never forget this day. And she told me, she says, now, I'm going to expect you to read this page in class. And I said, okay. And she says, here's what I also expect. And I asked her, what was that? I expect you to expect this out of yourself. Those words resonated very deeply. That's when I learned about setting my expectations higher than the people that I had to meet their expectations for. And that was a tool that helped me go through life. What my bosses wanted was irrelevant compared to what I wanted. Some of you have already run into this problem. How many of you have worked on a job and your boss has pulled you aside and say, you know what? 
you're doing a little bit too much of making us look bad. Let me tell you something, folks. Whenever I was confronted with something like that, at the end of that day, I pulled out the old resume and applied for another job elsewhere. I'm not going to let you control my success over your insecurity. Because you want to have a job and you want to stay on that mundane job making the same amount of money every year. <laughs> your fears are not entitled to my success. Now, remember I talk about mobility, the five things that you're supposed to protect. Your freedom, your wealth, your mobility, your decision-making skills, and your reputation. Whenever they come into jeopardy, that's when you know you've made a bad decision. Those are the five things you should always protect when you make life choices. A lot of people don't because they think they're irrelevant. They think they can adjust. They think they can do anything in the world. Well, true enough, they sell you that propaganda, especially when you're young. But there's some realities you have to face. And you have to admit, okay, I know I won't be able to do this. I don't have the skill set to do it. I don't have the capacity to do it. But of course, we're not going to do that. We're going to let our egos take over. So, you go out there. You do something and you're horrible at it. Depending on your level of effort and your level of success will determine whether or not it's something you should pursue. If it isn't, there's nothing wrong with throwing your hands up and saying you can't do it. But here's the thing you have to understand. As long as you tried, in many cases, that's good enough. When you try with your best effort. As I told you, I was supposed to play baseball when I was younger. Shit, I got bored. I found more exciting things on the basketball court. I could play the game, but was my heart into it? Nope. I had to stick with something that I had fun doing. And then I realized, okay, if I'm doing this recreationally, when I become an adult, I don't want to be one of those people chained to a desk always worrying about the next shooter drop. When I became an adult and went into the workplace, I started seeing that. Now I look and see these people angry. They'd have homes. They'd have nicer cars than I had. They had lifestyles, made more money than I did, and they were angry frustrated, worried about their jobs, preoccupied with stress. And when I started seeing the men taken out on stretchers from heart attacks and that kind of shit, that wasn't going to be me. 
I don't want to wind up with gray hair, stressing over something, passing out behind a desk. Especially worrying about somebody else's problem. Company's gonna do fine whether you're alive or not, whether you're healthy or not. Company's still going on. I had to come to the realization I will have to look out for myself. And this is where a lot of people are running into trouble now. There's a lady that wrote me recently. And she asked me not to share the email with you, but I can talk about it. Got her permission to at least talk about it. What had happened, she had worked for this company large company, well-known, and she had worked there 35 years and retired with full benefits, pension, the whole nine yards, health care, everything. And she's upset with her son because he won't go there to work because the terms of employment has changed. They have changed. And she thinks that he is just lazy and doesn't want to do it and she can only reference what she experienced with it well this lady retired back in the 90s things have changed since then but she thinks that it's the same environment as it was when she worked so she's got the whole family calling him lazy because the job that he has pays about half of what he would make where she worked. But she's not complimenting him on doing well on that job that he's on. He's not complaining about the job. Only person that's complaining is the person that set expectations for him. But his expectations are being met, apparently because he's staying there and he's devoting himself to it. So he falls short of the grace of best wishes. And she wanted to know, is there any way that she could motivate him to go and have the job she has so he could retire with the benefits she had? I wrote her back and told her that a company is not obligated to do anything for an employee. The majority of the things that they do are niceties in order to get you to come work for them. But we got to consider what the business relationship is for them to make money and for you to keep them profitable. The welfare days are over with. Cradle to the grave. Company took care of you all the way through. A lot of companies are trying to get these legacy employees off the books. 
Some of them are not even carrying the pensions anymore. Instead, what they're doing, then you set up a 401k. So when you leave the company, you still have the 401k if you want it, provided that under conditions that you established, some of them were having the two for one matching. For every dollar you put in, they'll put in two. That's the reason why I tell you young folks to max out your 401ks. It benefits you because they're contributing where you wouldn't be able to get that yourself. Two for one, you can't beat that. Because it's going to be relevant as you get older. Because when you're young, you think you're going to live forever. Get that invincibility thing going on. I can do no wrong and nothing can hurt me. Yeah, we go through that phase in life. By the time you're in your 30s, you're starting to get a reality check. By the time you're in your 40s, you start becoming very concerned. By the time you're in your 50s, you become a little bit worried. By the time you're in your 60s, you realize it is what it is. I hate that term. And in each one of those stages, as you go through life, it's like a cycle. A pattern and you're not the first person that's gone through it millions upon millions of other people have gone through it as well it's just impacting you because it's the first time it's happened to you some of you criticize these younger people tell them oh you know when I was your age I had a house and a car but now you got to think about the way things were back when you were working. Because what we like to do, especially here in this country, is put everything towards personal will. Oh, you were lazy. That's the reason why you weren't successful. Oh, you intended to hit my car. Uh, no. I had a flat and I accidentally bumped into your car. Oh, no, you didn't. You intended to do that. That's the problem with our society. We're so on edge that we have very little margin because we look at everything as being intentional. And many of us have that disposition because we're not happy with who we are and how we're living. So we want to vent our anger on someone else. When really, the person we should be angry with is ourselves. For allowing ourselves to make the decisions that we made to put us in the situation we're in. Those of you who have made good decisions on your behalf and can't relate to what I'm talking about, kudos to you. Because see, that was one of the things that I wanted to make sure that I did. Made the best decisions for myself that would benefit me in the long term. Short-term gratification Look at the short-term benefits. Remember those people that invested in Bitcoin? 
FTX. Remember those people that invested in a lot of these vegan companies. Years ago, I remember when the mortgage industry was smoking hot. Oh, you don't you don't need to be doing that. You need to be dealing with mortgages. No. Mm-mm. If it's too easy and there are too many people in it, it's going to overheat. Learned that from the tech boom. Learned that from Y2K. Learned that from the bond market back in the 80s. Whenever the standards are lowered on something, the quality is also. Because the bulk of people that are going to be involved in any kind of situation where it's beneficial are going to be the people that need money the most. We'll talk more in a moment. All right, so in this episode, we cover communications. We call it covered relevancy and how things relate to you and how you relate to them and we covered a bit of expectations these are all components of relationships we don't think about them in that context and as I told you before I get a lot of criticism about damn you still talking about this And it's kind of ironic because some of the people that complain are some of the very people that write in later about problems related to the very thing that they were talking about. Damn, you're talking about this. Find that kind of ironic. Look, folks. Communication and consideration, very important as we know. Those two go together. If you're just going with one, which is usually the go-to communications, you only got half the picture. And you still wonder why your relationship is failing. If you're just going with communications, as I told you before, some people are good and bad communicators. You also have to go with the consideration of the environment, their feelings, the context, your tone, and the way you present it, your delivery. All those things are relevant. Where that person will feel comfortable enough under consideration, where they'll be willing to share with you how they're feeling without any reprisal. Then you have to deal with emotional intelligence, EI, picking up on cues based on behavior, based on disposition, based on facial expression. I 
I'll be the first to tell you folks that 98% of the people that I meet will never be my friends. Not because I'm a bad person or anything of that sort. It's because they don't think. They don't like thinking. They like doing. And you see them make the same mistakes over and over perpetually. And then they get into this loop of wondering why me? Why is this happening to me? And they're so proactive and fucking their lives up that they never have an opportunity to sit back and say, well, wait a minute. Maybe I'm my own worst enemy. Mm-mm. Because they want to manually fix it. Remember again what I told you about in the last uh, segment. Personal will argument. They always go back to personal will. I think I can. I think I can. I know I can. I know I could. Try doing it and see. And by the way, you don't have to go and sample everything in order to see whether or not it's feasible. You can go by somebody else's experience. See how relevant what they've done is to you. You know, if what used to crack me up when I was down south. You know, we'd have floods every once in a while in Mississippi. I was a young lad at the time. In my latter teenage years before we moved to California. And there was this one road that was flooded. Had a sign that clearly said, detour, road flooded. Oh boy. You think some of those people are gonna really take that seriously? And then before you know it, you see two or three cars floating and they need help getting out of their vehicle. See, that's what personal will will do to you if you're not careful and don't keep it in check. Oh, you're gonna be defiant. You're gonna be the rebel. You're gonna go out there and do what you do. Only to embarrass yourself or lose your life in some cases. Everything is not relevant to personal will. Accidents do happen. Circumstances do take place. But we don't like going there first. We go with the intention of someone first. I think about those people when I watch court TV. And there was one lady that had an accident in her car. And it resulted in the death of someone else. And the family 
said that the woman had murdered a family member of theirs. And what the jury did, they were pretty smart. The woman was negligent, fiddling around with her radio before hitting this person. And they got her for negligent homicide. They would have gone for manslaughter. But being that she was negligent by not looking at the road as she was driving, they're stuck with that. She got 10 years. Family was furious. They wanted murder. But the woman did not have the intention of leaving her house and deliberately fiddling with the radio in order to kill this person's relative. That's the problem with personal will. We go to extremes with it. I never forget, years ago I had a friend of mine when I was in my mid-30s. He told me he felt like a failure. And he was going down that spiral of depression, I could tell. And I asked him, why are you feeling that way? Well, the women say that I don't have anything. The women say this, that. I said, let's look at some of the things you do have. You have a brand new car that's paid off, but you paid off yourself. You have a home. You have a damn good job and career. They're saying that because they don't have those things and they're envious. And what they're trying to do is to bring you down to their level where you will move them in, where they will be able to have half of your assets. Think about it. And he pondered on it a bit. And he said, well, you know, you're right, but the women, they're always cutting me down. And this is when I had to explain to him that he was dealing with the low-hanging fruit of women. Just because they're attractive and fine and wearing all of this designer shit means nothing. What you have to look at is at the core of that person. What is their agenda? Their agenda is to have a better lifestyle than they have alone. You need to find a woman that is already comfortable in her own skin and in her own lifestyle as it is. And if she gets with you, it'll be something that you both share. It's not something you're providing only. See, what a lot of women are out there looking for is a guy who's a provider. You're going to take care of me. You're going to do this. You're going to give me this. You're going to do that for me. Ladies, this man can find that on any street corner, any nightclub, any bus stop, any 99 cent store. He could find a woman with that mentality. They come a dime a dozen. A demanding person that don't have shit or barely has the very thing she's requiring of a man. You know, the 700 credit score, the new car, 
the house that he has is not paid for, just like many of you that brag about your home. One setback and your ass is out in the street or going back home to mama just like anybody else. You want to feel like you made it. Dust your shoulders off. Well, that's good for you. The only thing you're doing is living comfortably. But you don't know what the unpredictability of life is going to get to you. You never do. It could be positive, it could be negative, it could be indifferent. And as we go through these challenges and these changes, we have to realize what matters and what really don't. What really doesn't matter. I've seen so many people over the years link themselves to material things in order to have an identity, in order to have recognition, a lifestyle. And once people would see that's all they were about, these people were lonely, complaining. They couldn't find a good man. Some of the guys would say they couldn't find a good woman. Man, these women are so and so and so and so. Well, yeah, you have the car, you have the job, but the problem is you haven't worked on yourself internally. You're trying to be something you're not, something you're not used to. You weren't born with money, but you're trying to act like you were. And the problem is people can see through that. You know, it's funny. When I dated Monica, I never once heard her brag about a designer label that she had. I never heard her once brag about the cars, the array of automobiles they had at their mansion. Never boasted about it because it was a normalcy for her. I'm the one that was blown away by all this shit. Having a staff of 15 people at the house, chefs. It was like I was in a hotel instead of a damn house. But it was all to the good. Her family could afford it. She could afford it. I wasn't mad at her for that. I was happy that there was one person that didn't have to go through some of the things that me and other people had to go through. Being genuinely happy for someone. Sometimes it's hard for us to do. Joe Smuckatelli goes out and buys him a brand new F-150 Lightning 
Oh, you got to go and get one too. You're not going to let that neighbor outdo you. Mm-mm. Why are you trying to be competitive on that level? Makes no sense. I knew a couple, they broke up because the wife's best friend, her husband got a promotion on the job. They were able to move out of one area and move into a nicer area. And she started firing the flames under her husband because they had this rivalry going on between these two women. And she wanted her husband to make more money, take on a second job so they could have that lifestyle like a rival. Husband was like, well, you know, I'm not spending any money to go back to school. I'm in my 40s. That was enough for her. She got those kids and left her. For some people, a lifestyle is far more important than the individual that they're with. That person is nothing more than a vehicle for the lifestyle that they seek. And it can be hurtful. That's the reason why I tell you guys that are out there that I call working Joes. Those of you who have a thankless relationship, thankless marriage, but you're constantly working your ass off trying to keep this woman in your life because she's attractive, she's the best thing you ever had, and the only thing she's doing is socializing, driving a nice car, spending the money left and right, and telling you that you need to make more money. And now you're stuck. Because if you're lucky, she had a child or two with you. So you feel like you've accomplished something. But some of you are in a situation where she's not going to fuck up her body for you by having a kid. No, I don't want no stretch marks on my body. Because she still wants to be marketable to somebody else. Because after she's run a course with you, oh, she's not done. There's other people that she realizes she can appeal to besides you. So folks, this is just a view on some things that I've observed. I want you to take care and I will talk to you on tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow. I lost my mouse. <laughs> no, not the vermin, but the...
We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, AudioMac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned, or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes. In the event for professional assistance, please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.